Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good evening and welcome to the latest Man on the Post European podcast. I am your host, James Rowe, and once again I'm joined by my partner in crime, Scott Munro. Scott, good evening, how are you? I'm not too bad, James, how are you? Very well, thank you. And uh, I thought we would start this week with uh, giving um, fans a quick heads up as to what's happened in the first two rounds of the uh, of the Eredivisie here in the Netherlands. Are you down with that? Yeah, down with it. Okay, do you know, are you aware of anything that's happened? Uh, I, I watched the first week's highlight show. I've got this week's highlight show to watch probably tomorrow. Uh, I've got a Carabao Cup game to listen to tonight. So I did notice that Ajax drew away at Vitesse. Feyenoord, that was in the opening game. Um, Feyenoord drew in the derby with Sparta Rotterdam and needed a mm-hmm. late goal from Sam Larson. And also SC Twente on their first game back also drew with PSV. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a good uh, start, really. Um, I said Alakmaar are top. They've won their first two games. Their new manager is the former assistant, Arne Slot, and uh, they're riding high, apart from what's happened in their stadium where their roof collapsed midweek. And um, did you hear about that on the news? I did. Um, it was in our WhatsApp group. I'm on a post WhatsApp group. Um, I was on the way back from a game on Saturday in uh, in not very nice British conditions in the in the lovely Rome we had over here in the UK. And uh, I saw it tweeted out as well. What actually happened? Was it due to high winds or was it the uh, weather? It was due to weather and very, very high winds. And it now means that I said Alakmaar will play the next two home games, in inverted commas, in The Hague, in the Arda Den Haag Stadium. Uh-huh. And one of those is going to be in Europe against Mariupol from Romania this Thursday. So I don't know how much you can talk about um, home advantage in that respect. But um, they, uh, they started off well with a good season. Usama Idrissi uh, has scored three goals and he's a, a Moroccan uh, midfielder who can provide an assist and score goals. So they're, um, they're doing quite well. They've got a, already got a goal difference of plus six, which is a good sign after only two games. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to them. You know, the Dutch media outlets were, were speaking about the... Um, about the, there were question marks regarding the construction when, when the stadium first opened, and it's been open for 12, it's been open for 13 years now, and it's only now that it's coming to light in terms of maybe construction or materials. But a bit of a, a bit of a shame really in terms of the, the what they're going to have to do to get it right very very quickly. Um, in terms of other results, Sparta Rotterdam won at home to Fever Fevenlo, and their point that they've received, or they got away at Feyenoord that was um, that was really not unexpected from my point of view they're under the tutelage of Henk Fraser who won uh, the Dutch Cup with Fitessa uh, a few seasons ago and um, they deserve to be back they're the oldest club in the Netherlands and when they're back on uh, at the highest level everybody is pleased to have them back and um, 
I think they'll have a good season. I think they'll stay up without any difficulty whatsoever. And also, Slipsky of Vitesse, you know, he's, um, I think they're going to have a good season as well. As I say, it's only two rounds and it's uh, not... The table doesn't really make for much reading with Emin being last and Ekose Valveik being 17th. But I actually think that Ekose Valveik in particular will stay up. And uh, it's a long old season as we know only too well. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a decent start. So Utrecht as well appear to have cured their uh, European hangover by winning their first two games. They went behind away to Arda Den Haag and also at home to F- uh, Pekswala. And they managed to turn it around and get uh, three points on both occasions. So that's, uh, they appear to be resilient. And they're under the guidance of their new manager, John van der Brom. So um, the, I said that Utrecht are the ones making the headlines at this precise moment in time here in the Netherlands. James, what's happened on the final? And then they got Yup Stam in charge. Um, is it two draws and two games? I caught the end of the Sparta Rotterdam game. Um, mm. I got a bit bored watching the cricket, watching Steve Smith bat. And um, they were just. Um, they were a bit a bit frantic, I thought, against Sparta Rotterdam in a bit I saw. And they drew away at Heravine at the weekend as well? Yeah, Heerenveen away is a, is a pretty much difficult place to go for everybody. It's never a uh, it's never a given. It's always a difficult away day to go all the way into Friesland in the area of the Netherlands and play a very ferocious home crowd who really get behind their team. And I think in the case of Yabstam, for final, it's very much a question of finances. Stephen uh, Berghaus, who uh, many people may know from his time at Watford, there was a long protracted process of him. Is he going to leave final? Is he going to sign for PSB? What's going to happen? And he ended up signing a contract extension until 2022. So that came out of nowhere, really. They let their... Um, promising centre-half Jason Yester uh, go to Mainz following in the footsteps of Jean-Paul Boetis and um, they're just trying to, trying to find a bit of um, rhythm really and uh, you know the, the finance financial business of the, uh, of the board level they want to build a new stadium they really want to, to they're looking at building a final city and they're in uh, contracted uh, negotiations with this council you know, because it's going to cost an awful lot of money. And, um, you know, because they claim that the the support they get, although it is fanatic, that does it, and on their part, it constitutes a, a new stadium. But I think it's, um, I think it's the way the wind is blowing now, where almost every team which harbours ambitions of, of furthering their club in a commercial sense seems to have the, uh, seems to have the, um, the want and the want to build a new stadium to mm. to, to elaborate on that. Alejandro in Spain, they, uh, there's rumours of them building a new stadium, but apparently the um, the city council have said until they get promoted back to La Liga, there's no talks whatsoever, which I think is very sensible. But I think in the case of Yapstam, you know, he's a fantastic defender. But I remember when he first um, came out, when it first came out here in the Netherlands that he wanted to become a manager. He made a statement that said along the lines of, I don't have to go and sit in a classroom for someone to tell me how to become a football manager. And then it was kind of, a, I, you know, I don't want to be a manager. And then all of a sudden he's managing Reading. And um, I think I think maybe he wants to make progress. But for Feyenoord in particular, it's going to be a long season. I think in particular that uh, Vitesse Arnhem will have a good season and Sparta Rotterdam as well. And I also tip Ekosei Wildback to stay up. They've been... Um, 
they've been um, uh, held as relegation candidates uh, by all and sundry. But I think with the players they've got and the manager they've got in Fred de Grim, who was interim manager of the Dutch national team for a, a couple of games, I think that um, I think they'll stay up without any difficulty. Um, my final question is probably about Ajax. Um, they won five 0 at home to Edmund, and after the two two draw away at Vitesse last week, I just wanted to know um, your thoughts on a defender that has caught the eye in Lissandro Martinez. From def- uh, they brought him from Defensores this year in Argentina. I just wonder yeah. what your thoughts are on him, and is he? Um, I know it's probably too early and re- way too early to shout. Is he pretty much a- an adequate replacement for Matthias De Ligt, who's now at Juventus? Um, I think it's far too early to talk yeah. about an adequate replacement. You know, you've got um, he's coming from a South American football environment where he will need time to adjust. There have been successful cases of South American players here in the Netherlands making fantastic names for themselves, such as Romario and Ronaldo and Alfonso Alves. And he will need time. And um, I think he'll get that time. But I saw the first leg away at Saloniki and they already appeared to miss Matthias de Ligt. And that shows you, you know, when once such a, a once-in-a-generation player gets sold and goes to his next club, um, how much they miss him already. The game kicks off here in Amsterdam in around about 50 minutes, I believe. And um, due to uh, the footballing commitments that I had today and also podcast commitments, I won't be there tonight. But um, should they get through, I will probably be at the playoff rounds home leg in uh, I believe that will be on the week of the 25th I think yes uh, not next week it's the week after so yeah it's to be the two weeks today and I think the following the second leg's the week following because it's is it the, they call it the champions route and uh, what's the other route they call it uh, I think they just call it the champions route where the champions of uh, the leagues around Europe who haven't got the the coefficient points face off each other, against each other in the qualifying rounds. And the losers go into the um, Europa League, like Rugby, in, the case, yeah. uh, in the case of uh, Dinamo Zagreb or Felix Faros or Basel. And uh, be very, very interesting to see what happens. We are now going to move on to arguably the biggest club in France. And something is up with them. I'm not entirely sure what. And that is Olympique de Marseille. And um, they lost their opening game of the French League. And um, they appear to be in a state of flux. And for a team which has won the um, uh, uh, French League uh, 10 times and the uh, French Cup 10 times as well, as well as the... um, as well as the Champions League, people will remember back in 1993. They... um, they appear to be in a state of flux. I really thought when I saw them in the Europa League final in 2018, Scott, that this is the birth, the rebirth of Olympic Marseille. But that, that, appeared, that appeared to be short-lived. That really did. And uh, Andre Villas-Boas has got a hell of a job on his hands. I know that with the owner, Frank McCourt, that they have, that they uh, there are rumours off the pitch as to what's happening. But to lose 2-0 at home in the Velodrome against the Rim, is a, a very um, eye-raising, eyebrow-raising result. What's your opinion on Marseille at this moment in time? It probably wasn't the only eye-raising result in France this weekend in Liga. Um, 
I'll come on to the second one later on. It involves uh, a team we talked about a couple of times last season. Yeah, I, I watched the highlight show yesterday. I'm trying to keep abreast of up to date with the football this season. I'm doing, I think I'm doing an okay job of it so far. Um, they seemed a bit static. Um, I know they didn't have the best preseason, even though they did beat DC United a few weeks ago, 8 1. Um, and they've also brought in Dario Benedetto from Boca Juniors, um, who last season didn't have the best season due to suffering a really serious knee injury. Um, and in the Copa Libertadores final, he scored the goal in the Bernabeu and pulled off that funny face celebration in front of the uh, the River Plate defenders. And uh, I think it came to bite him on the backside as River 1-3-1. I think they paid, oh, I think it's about 16 million euros for him. Mm-hmm. Um, just before they, they conceded, they, they really should have scored. Kevin Strootman hit the post from close range. And I think either side it was in. It was a ball over from the right-hand side. He volleyed it. And it looked like he was going into the top corner, but it hit the bar. And... Um, Ran, sorry, Ron went up the other end and the goal scorer Dia. There's a there's a nice story about him and that just eighteen months ago, uh, Buladia, um, he was playing in like the equivalent of non-league football in France, and just like eighteen months later, he's he's scoring on the opening day of the season and it's it's brilliant. He was doing part-time jobs working in a factory, playing part-time football, and um, he he put Marseille to the sword. Mm. I just think that um, for what the club represents, I just think there appears to be too many fingers, uh, too many fingers, and too many pies mm. from from the outside looking in. I mean, when you look at that squad with the likes of Mandanda, Tovano, who I've rated for many, many years, Luis Gustavo, and Morgan Sanson as well, you would expect that uh, you would expect a little bit more. You you really would. And I think, I think they're suffering from a lack of a, a, a real French manager to galvanise them and to, to kind of really bring them up a little bit. I'm not saying that foreign managers can't manage Marseille, but I've often said before on this podcast, there are certain managers and certain qualities which fit, which, which fit certain clubs. And in my opinion, Marseille are arguably the biggest club in France. Mm. You take away the commercialism of PSV. You could argue that they're also just that little bit bigger. But also with uh, signing Dimitri Payet, I thought that was going to be a, um, a real turn, really. And it was, really. He was a, a huge part in uh, their success in the run to the Europa League final. In regards to Kevin Stoltman, I think he's very lucky to be at Marseille, personally. I agree. I, mean, I, I think he's very lucky to be there. And, you know, this, I remember him from his days at FC Utrecht and, uh, and PSV. And, you know, he's made rapid progression. But I just think they need, uh, they really do need a helping hand. And although the Villas Boas as well, it's it's no secret that he made tremendous progression when he was in charge of FC Porto. And some, you know, in the case of this um, this equation, I think that um, that Marseille could could do with really identifying a um, a candidate going forward. I mean, I know that uh, Villas Boas has only got the job. Is, and he's not going to be turfed out anytime soon. But if you look at, um, if you just look around and see what's, um, what other managers are doing and what they can achieve, I mean, if you look, for, if you look, for example, uh, if you look at Christophe uh, Galtier, 
Now, he was doing tremendous work in the eight years that he was at St Etienne. He managed to get Lille into the Champions League. Would he not be a uh, would he not be a good candidate for Marseille going forward, or was he overlooked maybe in the first instance? And I think these small details they uh, they can prove pivotal. And you wonder about Marseille now, and you wonder about them going forward. You know, being able to attract bigger names. I mean, I remember I remember seeing a document, uh, just seeing an interview with Anton Griezmann when he was pushed about. You know, would he ever would he ever return to France to play at the top level? And he said, Oh, it's something I would like and to play for a big club and you would put Marseille in that bracket really and you wonder what type of a season they're going to have and be interesting to see if they can turn it around and, and make it a successful season. Mm. Yeah, it just thinks that they've very much underachieved in the last few years. Like last season, they didn't even get uh, European football. They sort of blew it in the dying embers of the se- season. And then the season before, <laughs> they got, to be fair, they did well to get to the Europa League final. But Atletico, as you said, were completely outclassed them. Yeah. Um, they did have Rudy Garcia in charge for the last, I think it was about two years, maybe just a little bit less. Um he did well in Italy in his first season, but his second and third season sort of stagnates, and his tactics are very, they're very like samey. He likes to play either four two three one or four three three, and it's very structured. And if if you can get at his tactics early, you could probably win the game. And I sort of saw that a few times with Marseille. Um, mm. They did have Mario Balotelli up front, and he he actually did well for them when he was brought in in um, in January, but. He, they didn't offer him a new a new contract. It just seems like it's like with them over the last couple of seasons of Marseille, it's either two step forward, or sorry, it's the phrase is one step forward and two steps back. Mm. I just feel and it's going to be the same this season. And the failure of a settled starting eleven with balance as well. Yes, I, I think the last time they actually had that was the Europa League run. So it'll be very interesting to see how that pans out. We are now going to move on to the start of the Bundesliga this season. It starts on Saturday. And um, you brought this up as a subject you would like to discuss, Scott. So is there, would you like to start us off on our quest to find out just that little bit more about the Bundesliga? It's, it starts Friday night, so it's Bayern versus Hertha, which is an absolute barnstorm of a game to start off with. I think this season it could be... Borussia Dortmund's to lose. They've really, really strengthened their squad from last season to this season. We did talk about it last week and they've brought in some, a plethora of some amazing players and some amazing young talent. Um, Bayern strengthened today. They brought Ivan Perisic on loan from Inter. Looks like he's had a, a bit of a, a falling out with uh, over at Inter and like the tactics that Antonio Conte would like to play it into uh, for the upcoming season. I don't think he really suited his 3-5-2 or his 3-4-3. And he's pretty much come into field of void in the left wing, which was left at Ribery and Robin. I know Bayern were looking at Leroy Sané as well and probably another potential winger, um, like i.e. Cullum, Hudson-Odoi. Um, I know they were linked with Cengiz Under as well. Um, I just think it's going to be another... Telling season, uh, I, I think Dortmund are the team to watch, and I think Bayern might struggle if they don't strengthen in the next couple of weeks. They've got two and a bit weeks to strengthen their squad and spend some money. If they don't, they could be falling behind Dortmund, who, who got their business done early 
and made a real statement. Mm. And um, the transfer window shuts on the 2nd of September. Yeah, so it's um, Italy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Dortmund are in the driving seat to win it. I think captained by uh, Marco Lewis as well. I think you're going to see that little bit of um, guile and a little bit of leadership. And also Lucien Favre. You know, I remember when I spoke to Bruce Schumacher and Gladbach uh, player Fabian Johnson and he told me in depth about when he had uh, Lucien Favre at the club and he was so detailed even in a training session where they're defending as a unit and he's shouting out to Fabian Johnson, use your left foot there, use your right foot there. And he's thinking, what does that matter? But then you realise that in the small spaces in terms of ball retention and keeping the ball and easing the pressure on the defence, that it really does help. And I think that um, I think that Dortmund are going to have a very good season. They've got an excellent manager. Uh, I, I agree with you on Bayern Munich as well. I think it's, um, there's been a lot of uh, changes, but I think in particular Benjamin Pafar is a tremendous signing and, and, and an example of what a young player can do if he uses his brain and engages his brain. You know, he was playing for Stuttgart. You know, then you stay in the same division, you stay in the same country, you go to the highest division. He's a World Cup winner. He's got a brain on him. And I think that um, I think that they'll push Dortmund very hard, pretty much like last season. But I just think that um, that Dortmund will have the upper edge. I also think that Bayer Leverkusen will have a very good season under Peter Boss. I think you'll see them clicking into another gear. Um, I thought that we could elaborate on uh, picking one of the games uh, of the opening weekend, and I thought we could speak about. Borussia Mönchengladbach against Schalke because that's the, the that's the one of the opening weekends of fixtures that really stands out. Do you not agree? Yes, the, um, the Saturday late evening game. Um, Leverkusen. I want to talk about Leverkusen. They open up against Paderborn, and it's good to see Union Berlin back. And they play on Sunday against RB Leipzig, which is the first game for Julian Nagelsmann after mm. his protracted move to from Hoffenheim to RB Leipzig. On yeah, this should be a good game Saturday night. Um, Schalke had, I would say, a horrible season last season, and um, they're looking to buy a a couple of players, and one of them is at Atalanta. I think it's Robin Guzan. So I think we've both talked about it in the past. Yeah, and I think he's a really, really good player, and I think he will do really well. I think they were after Hatterbor as well. Yeah, um, and they got the the former Huddersfield coach now in charge, whose name just escape, escape Wagner. Wagner, that's it. David Wagner. David Wagner. They, they, they also they won in the cup the week before five nil, mm. and. Uh, Bergstaller got a couple and Caligiuri scored from the penalty spot. It should be interesting times ahead. But there is a there's something weird that's going on in the club. Have you heard about their chairman? Um, about his comments? Yes. Yes, I did. I did hear about that. Just wonder if I it did. has a, like a, a domino effect and if it you, might hinder him later on. You want you wonder, but um, yeah, obviously things get said. And uh, we now live in a world where, um, I mean, I, I didn't catch the whole of the story. I'm only aware of it. But, you know, you um, we live in a world now where people say things and uh, all of a sudden it's uh, it's blown up. It's one big, huge thing. And uh, you wonder how, um, how that will affect the club going forward. But they also have John Joe Kenny on loan from Everton. Everton, yes. Yeah. 
so that will be interesting to see. And kind of kind of Blanka, the uh, the Ukrainian winger who I think shot to fame with Dnipro when they uh, when they signed <coughs> when they reached the Europa League final. I think he also played for West Ham as well, if I believe rightly. I think, or might be thinking of somebody else. I think you might be Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko, yeah. Oh, this is Konoplenko, yeah. Okay, maybe. It sounds the same. I do excuse myself for any Ukrainian followers. But um, anyway, the, 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 um, I think the, the guy that actually plays for them did play for Dnipro and, uh, and I think played a part in the, uh, the Europa League final anyhow. Maybe he was not the one that uh, played, for, uh, played for West Ham. But um, yeah, I, I wonder, I've got nothing against David Wagner, uh, Scott, but I wonder if he can manage that club. If you, if you are struggling as Huddersfield Town manager and things are getting that little bit too much, then you're going to a pressure cooker of becoming Schalke Northeer manager. It's a um, it's a little bit of a jump in it, and you wonder how he's going to fare in that respect. Yeah, and also it's a massive char, uh, job on his hand after last season, where they had to get Hub Stevenson back in charge, didn't they? And for the last couple of months of the season, after Tedesco got fired, after they. They lost 4-1 at home um, and he got um, abused by his own fans. And it's, it's a massive job. They're a, they're a sleeping giant. And just, just to think they've never won the Bundesliga. Yeah. And um, I remember you speak about Hope Stevens. He, um, he released a, a, a biography here in the Netherlands. And it's a tremendous read. And the chapter about his time at uh, Schalke in particular, how much love he has for that club and how every single time that club is struggling, he's happy to help them. You know, they, yeah. they, they lured him for what he achieved with Schalke in 1997. And when you think of, of Savings as well, he's, he had a tremendous managerial career. You think of the impact he had on the likes of Hamburg and Cologne and Schalke. And also here in the Netherlands, you know, with, um, he managed PSV for a bit and he was kind of maligned in certain aspects and believe it only ESA as well. And I, I think he's one of the forgotten men, really. I would have loved to have seen him as um, national team manager at some point. I know when there was difficulty with um, the appointment of Danny Blind, there were rumours that it could well be possible. But he was having health problems where he said that the most important thing is his health and, and returning to management might set off uh, some certain things. And he didn't want to take any chances. But he's, uh, he's very much an underrated manager, Hub Stevens. He really is. And um, his, his book is a tremendous read. It's all in Dutch, unfortunately. But I was I'm fortunate enough to be able to read it um, cover to cover, which is nice. But I urge anyone to have a look at his, uh, his Wikipedia page of what he's achieved in his career as a manager because it uh, makes for a very interesting meeting. I also will say that this game, because um, do you remember the striker Prilin Bulo, uh, the Swiss striker, who yes. suffered a really serious injury a couple of years ago? He was sold by Schalke to Gladbach and it's his return mm. at the weekend. So I wonder if we get a nice return. You would hope so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Schalke are pretty much known as being a, a, a friendly club. I don't think, unless you unless you have ties with Dortmund. Dortmund, yes. But, but other than that, I think they're quite amicable. So it'll be very interesting and uh, good to see um, Cologne back as well at the top level. Yes. Good to see uh, Cologne back. I know that um, 
they uh, they suffered a bit when they fell out of the Bundesliga, also having played in the Europa League that season, and they seem to have bounced back very quickly. And when you look at, when you look at some of the names in the in the Bundesliga this year, you've got the likes of Cologne, Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, and um, and also Mönchengladbach and Leverkusen. There's real depth in that competition, and uh, it should be a, a very very interesting season ahead. It should. Um, just will say it's good to see Marcus Turan uh, go to Gladbach as well. I saw a bit of him last season for Gangomp and um, he impressed. I'd like mm. to see how he does in the Bundesliga. Okay, we, we shall keep a keen eye on that. That wraps up our latest um, podcast. We'd like to thank our listeners for um, for tuning in. Scott, would you like to tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you on Twitter? Yeah, you can follow me at Scott underscore Munro. I was going to say the other result that caught my eye in France was uh, Lyon's 3-0 win over Monaco, where Cesc Fabregas got sent off quite stupidly for a, a bit of a naughty challenge on Dubois, where he raked his uh, studs on the back. Some say it might be a bit unlucky, but VAR is there. And it was quite obnoxious. Uh, not, it was it was a stupid challenge. Um, but I will say, Leon and the Silvino and Juninho Pernambucano look quite good. Indeed, they do. But for, was it was it a surprise for you that Monaco lost that game? Not really. No, Monaco no. had a really bad season last season. It, it wasn't for me, and I, I just I don't know. I mean, if you see the. Um, I mean, I, I sometimes sneakily look at their YouTube um, page of Monaco, and when you see the surroundings that those players train in, and you see the environment they are working in, I think they can sometimes forget that they're there to actually work as well. I think there's a yeah. bit too much. I think there's a little bit too much paradise going on. Not not just in terms of all the breaks you get and all the special things in terms of the municipality, but also you know the um, the environment of the club, and but one thing I will say for Monaco is it's always been the absolute truth is they've always had a tremendous youth academy, and uh, that will always bear fruit, and then we need to keep sticking with that. Um, for, um, listeners can also follow me on at James Rowe and L if you have any questions as regards to Dutch football in particular, or you want to have uh, and uh, keep an eye on latest interviews along those lines. Uh, we'd like to finally point you in the direction of the Man on the Post podcast network featuring the likes of Man on the Post Extra Time and Unusual Efforts. So check it out. It really is something for everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in and we will speak to you again next week. And always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs> <laughs>